It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. All right, let's go to New York, man. Um, I know that you're excited about Garrett Wilson, but man, you look at this pass catching trio. Uh, there in New York, and all of a sudden, again, we talk about a franchise that last year um, I thought had a pretty an okay duo in Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Now with the addition of Garrett Wilson, um, it's a trio that is is really really good. And even yeah. Joe freaking Flacco, my guy, is putting up numbers, dude. Like, what is happening here? But uh, this trio there in New York, I think, is certainly, certainly helping lift the aerial attack there in New York. Yeah, obviously some of it is game script and and like what a hell of a comeback against the Browns, stuff like that. But Joe Flacco, oh, Jesus, <laughs> Joe Flacco's dropped back 109 times so far <laughs> this year. What, like what what year is it? You know, know. in believe times in game one. It's crazy. Yeah, go ahead. It's it, it's nuts. Yeah. Obviously, like I said, some of that is game script. They were trailing. They've been, you know, trailing kind of throughout the first two yeah. weeks, which, you know, no surprise, but, um, on Garrett Wilson, you know, we had our rookie rankings show coming into this year, kind of like trying to project playing time. And, and you know, I, I tiered Garrett Wilson pretty low there. Cause I know, and it had nothing to do with him as a player, but it had everything to do with like, Hey, I think the jets are kind of loaded at wide receiver. You know, they they've got Elijah Moore, who I'm a huge fan of. Corey Davis is like a, a pretty fine veteran receiver. I thought they'd give Braxton Berrios more time, but Garrett yeah. Wilson, man, just gave Braxton Berrios the freaking stiff arm in, in week two, <laughs> which by the way, is good to see like you know, Braxton Berrios, whatever you find slot receiver, but like Garrett Wilson is potentially special. And I mean, he looks special so far. Um, You've got the, for our YouTube viewers, you've got the, uh, the the route success rate chart from his him as a prospect, all green pretty much, man. I mean, like a yeah. freaking Christmas tree there. He just gets open at all three levels of the field. Um, it's another thing I said today uh, to to Andy Barons, James. I said, you know how everybody's like all gassed up about Kadarius Tony all the time. Like, hey man, like this guy Kadarius Tony's got great talent. Look at what he does in the open field. Well, right. if you could imagine uh, Kadarius Tony, but he could run routes. <laughs> That's Garrett Wilson. By by the way, like wow. Garrett Wilson is unbelievable in the open field. Among prospects that have been charted the last two years in reception perception, okay, Garrett <clears throat> Wilson is ranks number one in the amount of ta- the amount of in space attempts when he's out in the open field that he broke multiple tackles on. Like he wow. is a freak show in the open field. And among prospects, number three in success rate versus zone coverage. Like he, so he can get open against zone, can make mm-hmm. plays in the open field. And I think that's what you've seen so far. Um, we, we could talk Elijah Moore, obviously, as well. But so far, what you've seen from Garrett Wilson is he's kind of playing as that layup receiver right now. He's been um, in the slot on 50% of his snaps uh, last week against the Browns. You know, they're kind of getting him in space like he's kind of getting more of those layup looks, whereas Elijah Moore is kind of running 
the more difficult routes as the X receiver around the boundary, deep down the field, intermediate. Um, by the time this podcast is up, I should have some in-season tracking data on receptionperception.com on both of these receivers. And I think wow. the role comparison is really the interesting part of it because both these guys are extremely talented. But, dude, Garrett Wilson's just – I mean, he's like free, – he's freaky sometimes the way he can move. You know, the, the you got to credit the coaching staff too because a, a lot of coaching staffs don't have that kind of like – I don't know, uh, imaginative, you know, spirit to kind of say, all right, Garrett Wilson, who played a lot outside um, there at Ohio State, and he's got that four three eight speed. You spent the top ten pick on him, you know, and or you might say, okay, well, we're just going to kick Elijah Moore inside, you know. And it's like, no, you know, they're they're trying to figure out ways. He was a pure slot at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. like he almost exclusively ran out of the slot in college. That, that's exactly right. So yeah, no, I think they've been relatively creative, um, much to my surprise, there in New York. Um, trying to get these three guys on the field. Honestly, Corey Davis, I think led the way in targets week one, kind of took a little bit of a backseat, obviously made a huge splash play um, to kind of open the door for that comeback there in week number two. But yeah, man, it's, he's not going away in this offense either, by the way, you know what I mean? He's, he is in the mix too. So it's, it is very, very interesting um, to see, no doubt about it. All right. So let, let me ask you about this because um, a lot of us, we really wanted to and wanted to believe in Elijah Moore, and we think the world of Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is a special player, man. Um, I think Me he's too. an awesome, awesome player. But he is – there's no getting around it. He is not this team's number one. How do you explain it? Yeah, well, number one, it has been two weeks. So uh, I would say if if these guys are closer, that, the the problem is Corey Davis isn't, and I don't say problem from like from a fantasy angle, <laughs> it's problematic that they have yeah. that they have other guys involved here. This isn't like, um, you know, it, it isn't like a a Jalen Waddle Tyree kill like we talked about at the top of the show. Yeah, it's not they have other dudes mm-hmm. in the mix. Tyler Conklin has been in the mix at tight end. The running backs have been in the mix as receivers. Oh, huge. And we also, by the way, have questions about the quarterback. Like it's Joe Flacco right now. It's going to be Zach Wilson eventually. How good is Zach Wilson? Mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, if Zach Wilson can't be good with these dudes, I know he he ain't going to be good. Right. Um. I, I so I think. I think these guys could be a one A one B. I hate I hate being put in a position where it's like, which one is the better receiver? They're both really really good <laughs> okay. players, you know. And and I I do think that Garrett Wilson brings something to the table that Elijah Moore does not. They're both special great separators. You know, Elijah Moore's rookie was one of these guys who clears seventy five percent success rate versus man and eighty percent success rate versus zone. Those guys are great. You know, usually great receivers in the NFL and reception perception. We just talked about and showed on the screen um, Garrett Wilson's route success rate chart. He gets open at all levels of the field, but Garrett Wilson, I think is a little freakier in tight coverage. Like, you know, he can make those plays away from his body more so than Elijah Moore can. And he is no question. Like Elijah Moore can be a player that makes, or he can be a guy that makes plays in space because he's fast um, and, and explosive, but he's not as bendy. He's not as aggressive as a tackle breaker as Garrett Wilson is. So I think, I mean, that's, by the way, that's why one of these guys went 10th overall and the other one went in the second round of the draft. Right. Like, I think these guys are both going to be great players, but there is no question that Garrett Wilson brings certain things to the table that Elijah Moore does not as much as I, and I, I love Elijah Moore and I, I don't, I think he's still going to have a really good season. Yeah. I just think that there are things that, that Garrett Wilson does that Elijah Moore does not. There you go. Um, speaking of the wide receivers there in New York, I'll just say this and we'll move on. But <laughs> what, 
what are they doing with poor Denzel Mims? It's not like Denzel Mims is like anybody, but I'm just saying like he wants to be traded. Who cares? It's like he wants yeah. to be traded, but they won't trade him. It's like they're holding him hostage, the poor guy. You know, it's like well, because, you're not going to play him. You're not going to trade him. <laughs> like, like what is going on? Like, can you at least cut well, him or release him or do something? You're, you're, it's like he's in no man's land. I think the thing is that the Jets, they spent a second round pick on the guy. The guy as a rookie did flash legit ability like i don't think he's total he's much more of like a thing on football twitter or whatever than he is like a great receiver or anything like that but he's certainly a really nice wide receiver five to have um in case there's ever injuries and nobody by the way i don't think any team out there is trading like anything significant for oh uh, yeah for no denzel nothing. mims so if you're the jets like why would you trade Den- denzel mims because like hey what if <laughs> Elijah Moore gets hurt. What if Corey Davis gets hurt? Uh-huh. What if Garrett, Will- Garrett Wilson gets hurt? You know, then they have a guy that actually has some upside, not like some of these goofballs that they, the Jets have run out some rough names at wide receiver the last couple <laughs> years. So if they get in a spot where there's injuries and they could be like, okay, now we're tossing Denzel Mims, not like Jeff Smith or some of these creative characters that they've had the last, the last <laughs> couple of years. Like that's a pretty good spot. So what's the point? Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have like someone's seventh round pick? Um, I don't, I don't like, what's the point? I think for me, it's just kind of like the guy doesn't want to be there. It's not, it's not even like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like, it's not a video game where you're like, you know, collecting like people. It's like, no, like these are real people with real lives. This dude does not want to be there. There's no way that's good for the locker room. Well, he just, just he wants, he wants to play. That's the thing is he wants to play, which I I get it. I get that obviously from Mim's perspective, he wants to play, but I would also say like, I mean, dude, you're Denzel Mims. Like, you haven't yeah, done no. it. Yeah, <laughs> no. 100%, 100%. Like, that was one of those 100%. things where it was like, again, because he's a thing on football yeah. Twitter because people really have really liked him as a prospect, whatever. I think Again, I think he showed some interesting flashes as a as a year one player. But, um, you know, when he made, like, his agent made a trade demand and it was like, that went around, got a lot of traction on football Twitter because he's a thing there. And, and and I was like, okay. I'm, and I'm sure the Jets are like, Okay, that, that's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know. I don't go. know. <laughs> All right, there you go. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, let's flip. Uh, let's flip to the other side in New York and talk about the Giants. Giants fans, man, they're just on cloud nine right now, man. Hell Holy yeah, as they should be. This is awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so great. Uh, but no, it's great. Uh, but I will say this from their uh, wide, re- wide receiver perspective, things are changing. Things are happening there. Uh, with the Giants, Brian Dable, it seems to me, um, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like he's sending a message. All of a sudden, Kenny Galladay goes from playing, you know, pretty much all the snaps there in week number one to playing nothing in week number two, play two total snaps, uh, in week two. Um, and, and it's very interesting that kind of replaced his usage with the fellow by the name of David Sills, but yeah, man, there's, um, it is interesting what's going on in New York. I think that Brian Dable, I think it was back um, in January, you know, 
asked what uh, he was asked what traits he expects from his team and his coaching staff in the preseason, and Dayball replied, "Smart, tough, and dependable." Um, I think you could argue that some of the former Giants starting receivers, like Kenny Galladay, maybe not so smart, tough, and dependable. Certainly, Kadarius Tony has not been. dependable right he's been unavailable so often I think that's why he's started the year sort of not getting a lot of reps with the first team offense um right yeah you you just look at like uh, Kadarius Tony obviously he barely played in week one he got a little bit of a playing bump time in week two Kenny Galladay put two snaps and then was out of the locker room like right away when it you know as soon like as soon as he could get out of there he was out of there um I think they probably gave a guy like Galladay a chance to hey you had a rough you know, I talked about him as one of the most disappointing reception perception profiles from this this past year in in twenty twenty one. So you know, they, I think they give him like, hey, give take give it a shot. Like in training camp, you'd be our starting receiver. And I, every report out of um, New York was that he was, you know, not good. Like even in preseason, like the effort clearly wasn't there in, in some of the preseason no. games. So they're like, all right, well, we gave you a shot in week one, nothing happened. We're we're kind of gonna move you to the back seat. We're going to give it to guys who are in it. I mean, they were even excited about that guy, Colin Johnson, before he tore his Achilles <laughs> in the preseason. Uh, and, you know, Sterling Shepard right now, you, mean, you look at the usage metrics for Sterling Shepard, they're like off the charts. 39.9% of the air yards, 26.4% of the team targets. He's the number right. one in routes run over the first two weeks. And like... We were we were asking questions on this show. Everybody was asking questions on about the about Sterling Shepard whether he's even going to play in Week One because yeah. he his damn Achilles right. in like December, December or something like that. It's crazy. So it's yeah. insane. But what is Sterling Shepard, man? He's smart. He, he's a great route runner. We've highlighted that with reception perception many many times. He's t- obviously he's tough. He just came back from a freaking torn Achilles, <laughs> and I mean he's he's dependable. He gets hurt right. obviously, but right now he's available and he's there. Whereas like Kadarius Tony was not a, has not been available, so that's why Sterling Shepard's out there because he fits like the Brian Dayball archetype of player. Yeah, you know you talk about um, his usage too. So obviously tons of targets there, ten targets there. Uh, team leading ten targets for Sterling Shepard in week number two. Um, I'm also intrigued by his usage in terms of like where he is um, on the line. It was fifty fifty split inside outside for Sterling Shepard and I think he's been primarily a slot man um, but even week one he was 60 40 out wide um, 60 percent 40 percent inside so um, it seems as if Brian Dable's you know really wanting to kind of sort of feature the the multifaceted skill set of Sterling Shepard yeah I mean you know I love Sterling Shepard and um, I really think there was an alternate universe where you know, the Giants trade Odell Beckham. They give Sterling Shepard a big contract. And this was what, like 2019, they, they this all happened. And like, I think mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard legitimately would have, um, would have developed into like a, a number one receiver. Like, I think he is that good. Um, he has been like a slot flanker hybrid type of guy. Um, that's what he's playing as this year. You know, he's, he's that slot flanker hybrid. You know, they also are missing Wandale Robinson right now, who I think was kind of yeah. going to be the Isaiah McKenzie pre-snap motion man um, for Brian Dayball's offense. So he'll get back out there at some point. Um, but yeah, man, Sterling Shepard just a damn good player. He looks awesome right now. He, I, they certainly have to get some more juice, right? Like I, I know fantasy Twitter is pulling their hair about the the Kadarius Tony usage, but you know, Tony's really raw as a route runner. And like, they just don't trust him to be in the offense right now. You even just look at like Kadarius Tony's only had, um, 
you know what, like two, th- two or three targets so far, uh, three targets on yeah. the season. He's averaging minus 2.3 air yards per target. So like, yeah, that a guy like Tony who has a specific set of skills, shout out Liam Neeson. He's got a specific set of skills, a specific <laughs> um, way that you can deploy him as like a, yeah. a guy that's going to rip it in the open field, a guy that's going to, you know, maybe be better against zone coverage and man coverage. He's not really there as a route runner. That's tough. That's a tough guy when he, especially when he's not practicing, when he's hurt all the time. That's a tough guy to integrate into an offense. It's a tough guy to like, you know, be a regular part of your routine receiving core. So they're they're obviously trying to get him on the field and get some get some plays in space. You know, he had that one cool rush attempt in week one. I think Kadarius Tony could end up being fine. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, a guy like Sterling Shepard, I don't see him giving up this role as long as he's healthy because he's just a good football player. Yeah, Richie James has kind of slid in there for the Giants to be a a little bit of a slot receiver for them, played just 43% of the snaps, but um, has been actually a really reliable player for them, man. Like, you know, five of six uh, in terms of catches for 51 yards in week number two, five of six, 59 yards in week number one. Um, You know, I think he's played that role pretty well. David Sills is kind of, eh, I don't I'm not sure what we're getting with David Sills, um, but but again, again, Kenny Galladay kicked to the curb. David Sills is going to kick outside and play that X receiver uh, role that Kenny Galladay, they were hoping when they spent all that free agent money would play. But now it's this unknown David Sills. So you talk about Kadarius Tony. He goes from 12% snap share in week one to 37% snap share in week number two. And again, for him to kind of sort of be anything, it's like, I mean, he's going to have to be on the field 70, 75% of the time. Um, because again, they're, they can only manufacture so many bubble screens and like jet motion right. passes for this guy, right? Like that's not, it's great when you do it, you know, three, four times a game. That's it. Like, yeah. you know, you, you have need to, to run, run regular offense. Yeah, you need to yeah. run, exactly. You need to run real routes. Like Debo is sort of gets t- tabbed as like a gadget player. And obviously they do a lot of really creative stuff with him. But if you want Debo to go out there and beat zone coverage and like run a freaking dig route, run a slant route, he'll he does that stuff. Like Tony's still a work in progress there. I, 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 how how far away do you think he is though? I think that's probably a good question, right? Like, so when you watched his you know tape from last year, and I know it was limited, yeah. but is he really that raw? Like he really can't run a slant. Like he can't run a dig. I mean, it gets. If, against press man coverage, he still has a long way to go. I think he's like a fifth percentile success rate versus man player, but he was at like 80% success rate versus zone. So he was better than I expected at beating zone coverage. And obviously we know the league is mostly zone heavy right now. And I don't think you're going to go out there and line up freaking Kadarius Tony as your X receiver. You're going to move him around no. a little bit pre-snap. Like I think he has to be off the line of scrimmage. So he was one of the highest percentage of snaps off the line players that we had in the database last year. So but the the problem is, I think I think the, the the biggest problem here is that like we can't just keep projecting off that stuff from last year because clearly there's been a divide between him and the coaching staff th- yeah. this off season with all of the time that he's missed and the and the lack of practice time that I don't know how to answer how far away he is. Like I think in an ideal world he's not that 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 far away. I think the upside might be capped because of some of these flaws with him as a player. But I think that, but I think it's just really hard to know because we don't know what's going on inside the building.